I was not seeing anyone. I wouldn't think of, you know, going out with someone else. Paul and I were still together. Not married, but okay. very good friends. Were you very good friends or were you an item? We were you together? Paul. Yes. Okay, that's all I had to hear. This is the plaintiff, Albert Paul Hout, Jr. He says the defendant is his ex-wife of 20 years. And since they split up, they became better friends than ever. Until now, that is. He ended up loaning her money to fix an air conditioning unit. She paid him back some of it, but stopped once she found out he was dating someone and became extremely upset with him. Bottom line, she owes him $3,250. And that's the amount he's suing her for. This is the defendant Magdalena Castro. She says she found out the plaintiff was having sex with three other women at the same time they were supposedly together, and she kicked him out. He did lay out money for an air conditioning unit. She paid him back for most of it, but doesn't owe him a penny more because she gave him a break on paying rent for six years. And if anyone's owed money here today, it's not the plaintiff. She's accused of vexing an ex. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $5,000 for unpaid rent. All parties, please use your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The litigants are not actors. They are involved in legitimate disputes, and they have agreed to have those disputes settled here in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. Okay, before before we begin, who is Ms. Castro? I am. And the lady next to you, what's her name? Barbara Grissom. Okay, and she is their wife? Uh, partially as a witness, but because I have a traumatic brain injury, and there's times that I... She's going to help you with the evidence and that kind of stuff. Yes. Okay. All right, Mr. Hout, you are suing your former wife, Ms. Castro, for a debt that you say she incurred when you fronted some money for a repair on an apartment building that she owns. Talk to me. Tell me your story. How long were you guys married? We were married for approximately 20 years. Okay. And then you guys got a divorce when? I think, ma'am, it was around 2017 or 2018. Okay. And how was the relationship between you folks after the divorce? We became very good friends. We got along better than we ever did when we were married. <laughs> That'll do it. All right. And so tell me what happened here. Well, she was on vacation visiting family and friends. Uh, May, the air conditioner went out on an uh, apartment that she owns in a fourplex. It was very hot down in Jacksonville. It's hot all the time. But uh, I contacted her on the phone, and uh, she said that if I could just take care of it because you needed air conditioner in the place. She... Uh, Came back and was at this point in time. Can I ask you a question? At this point in time, where are you living? I'm living in the same fourplex. I'm but is this one of her apartments that you're living in? Yes, ma'am. It was. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. So go on. So she paid me a little bit at a time, and she came over to pay me one time, and I asked her about how much that I owed, and she. And she Why don't you know? Why don't? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Why aren't you keeping your own records of what is owed? Well, at the time. There wasn't any need for that. Even when I paid her the rent, there wasn't any need. They had that relationship. It was a trust relationship, and I didn't have a have the. Uh, I've never done that. I never got a receipt for anything like that. Right, but she's paying you. You should be giving her a receipt. But if she, are you? Were you always paying Miss Castro by check? 
Oh, absolutely. I have a record of every check and the amount and the date that I paid him. Okay. Yeah. And you submitted that into evidence and I'm going through it and you seem to still owe $2,175 on that debt. Why is it you feel that you shouldn't have to pay anything? What went wrong between you guys when you had this great relationship um, post-divorce that is kind of rare? I was going to buy a car, a vehicle. I asked Mr. Hout to help me with the paperwork. Because of my head with my traumatic brain injury, I could not comprehend um, the situation with the, the paperwork. Paperwork was done. The next day, I found out that Mr. Hout signed himself as owner on the car purchase when I'm the one that's buying the car. He okay. signed owner. Can I ask you a question? So that got owner. straightened out, right? Right. Yeah. Because All right. According to you, him, what was the problem that caused her to stop paying Mr. Hout? According to you, what happened was that Ms. Castro and you were kind of an item again, and she caught you with a woman in your apartment. Tell me about that. And we have been divorced for quite a while, uh, for several years. So I met a young lady at Weight Watchers, and we liked each other, and I picked her up at the airport, and Lena even met her in the, in, in the house, in the apartment. She was very congenial and very warm and friendly, and then the next morning she asked me if my friend had spent the night, and I said yes, and then things changed instantly. Instantly, it was, a, it was a different story from that point on. And then she became angry and then wanted me to move. She told you to move as a result of it? And Ms. Castro, does that sound like the reason why things went sour between you two? We were divorced. We, we did become very good friends afterwards. It was, it was a joke. Like you said, it was, we were better than we, when we were married. We were honest with each other. I was not seeing anyone. I wouldn't think of, you know, going out with someone else. Paul and I were still together. Not married, but okay. very good friends. Were you very good friends or were you an item? We were, were you together? Involved. Yes. Okay, that's all I had to hear. You go, Miss Castro, go on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would call me up and say, come on over, I'm making dinner. Let's have, let's play some cards. We'd go to bed and make love. We were very physically and sexually involved. No. Okay, go on. Right. So he was always over for all okay. family activities. We would go out to the movies. We'd go to the park. We'd, we, we did everything together all the time. He lived in his apartment. I lived in mine. Okay. Now, Mr. Hout, the very last payment that you got was in cash for $500, correct? Yes, ma'am. Tell me about that. How did that happen? I was trying to get uh, the rest of my money from her that she owed. And I texted her and she told me to come by. I came by and met her on the porch of my old apartment, sit face across from her about six feet apart. And after she got through chewing me out and calling me everything but a child of God, uh, she got up and left and walked towards her apartment. And I said, Lenny, you said I could have my money. Where's my money? She pointed over the brown paper bag. I went over and picked it up since she had already left and looked down in there and there was nickels, dimes and quarters and $500 that had been removed from the packaging. And then she laughed about it, thought that was really funny. She even said that they joked about it at the credit union and 
she said that was the last money I was going to be getting from her. And then at that time, she said something right. about on her for some back rent. And I, you know, when I moved in there, we agreed a verbal agreement. Again, nothing in writing. But yeah. Pay six fifty and. So he sends you a text anything. at some point in the future, Ms. Uh, Castro, and he says, would it be possible to meet you and get some money? And you say, ha ha, your sense of humor is laughable. My last words to you on the porch when I gave you $500 was respectfully, I don't owe you anything more. Go screw one of your sluts and be happy. And your position now, Ms. Castro, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, is that you have been charging him very little rent for a long time, and therefore, he owes you money. How do you figure? He had walked out on me, didn't hear from him for a year, called me up one day and said, do I have an apartment he could rent? And, and at first I thought, how dare you? And then I thought, he's the cleanest, neatest man, responsible, pays his bills, I said, yes, I have an apartment. Come and look at it. They're very nice apartments. It's a nice historic area of Springfield. Okay, he ends uh, up renting it, and you end up telling him that he can pay what for the apartment? He was paying um, six fifty. The rent was seven. And, and your complaint now is based on that you should have charged him more back then. Well, he said because he didn't have a job, he couldn't afford the rent. So I said, okay, but how well, would you then have a legal right to more money now than what you agreed to collect for rent? Just because he's a cheater in your eyes? No, like, what would now because... mean? How does it mean that he's going to owe you more money for rent now just because you're angry that you were nice years ago? I agreed to 650, and when he got a job, he would catch up with the rent, and he never did. Because he always right. told me he um, didn't have any money. All right, but here's the thing in terms of the lawsuit, okay? You've got a counterclaim, you've got a claim against her for $3,250 that you say she owes you. But show me your records where you keep track of what you're getting paid and what she owes you. You can't. You're not on top of it. So I don't know how you come up with that figure. I've been over all of the checks that she's written you. Because other than the $500 in coins, which, by the way, great touch. I loved it. Thanks. Other than the $500 in coins, uh, you know, so I got to say that brain is working pretty fine. It's working just fine <laughs> if you can you. come up. If you can cook that up, things are, things are working. All right. Uh, yeah. Other than the $500 in coins, um, all of it is by check. So I've seen every canceled check. And she's really good about writing in the memo line what the check is for. So when I tally it up, I come up with $2,175 that she still owes you. You say that you shouldn't pay it because you were nice enough to charge him reduced rent. That's not how contracts work. He doesn't magically, because you now think he's despicable, owe you more in rent for all the years that you didn't raise his rent. You would have to have raised his rent. The minute that you stopped wanting to uh, give uh, to provide him with the apartment, you told him get out, and he did get out. Um, that doesn't mean that retroactively you should be owed more money. So you have no defense to the amount that you still owe for the AC. You do owe it regardless of whatever's happened between you. On your counterclaim against him, zero. On his claim against you, two thousand one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Verdict for the plaintiff. Good luck, folks. Thank you, Judge. 
So the plaintiff gets a $2,100 judgment. Ms. Castro, what do you think about what the judge just told you? I can see her point, but I, there were many conversations through the years about paying me more. Um, he had three lady friends that he was um, screwing around with, but he didn't have the money to pay the regular rent that everybody else was paying. I have a problem with that. And I respect the judge's, yeah. you know, decision. She's right. Well, I bet you got a big kick out of paying him $500 in coins, didn't it? Made you feel good, Oh, I didn't loved it? it. But you know what? The schmuck took it to the bank. I was hoping he would have to roll every single nickel, dime, and quarter so he could remember <laughs> that payment. Oh, well. We could have fun. Oh, you're life, something else. <laughs> Mr. Hout, how do you feel about the verdict? You okay now? Hear what you're getting? Yeah, I have nothing else to say. I have nothing else to say. All right, then I won't ask you anything else. Thank you very much. Okay, let's join the judge and her husband, who's also a judge, for another after-the-verdict session. Well, it sounds like there was really no doubt in your mind the money was owed for the air conditioning that had to be fixed. And you got to admit, when you're in a jam or you're out of town, um, like when the hurricane hit and there was a certain friend contractor who took care of some things at our house right. when, it, when it got wrecked, right. um, that's a really valuable thing. Yeah, it <laughs> is. At that moment, and right? I just think that everything, their contract, to, that debt got murky right. because of the personal relationship between them. And um, a big part of what happened. Yeah, here. and it's pretty clear. And I think she knows it, too. Um, and, and certainly when you have a relationship between a landlord and a tenant, sometimes it's a good thing to charge somebody less if they're neat, they fix stuff, the rent checks come on time, and they always clear. And he's your squeeze, and he's your boo. And you know? you've got benefits. <laughs> and you've got your tenant rent with benefits. Right. <laughs> yeah, there you have it. Well, Hank, that's a dicey one. Um, if you ran out of money and can't complete the job, um, it's not just as easy as saying, well, I'll just keep the money and they can finish it somewhere else. Uh, it depends on what the contract says, but if the contract says you had to complete the job and they gave you that money and it's going to cost them a lot to fix it and finish it, uh, you may end up having to pay some of it back. And that will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case on the way into the courtroom right now. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, Dominique Nelson. She says she rented an apartment from the defendant on a month-to-month -month basis, and the heartless guy kicked her out onto the street without giving her 30 days' notice. If that weren't bad enough, the louse now refuses to return her security, and she's here suing for the $1,797 she's owed. 
is the defendant, Dana Murphy. He says she's a very nice person who works with shelters to place women into homes who need assistance, and the plaintiff was referred to him by a friend. After living there for only a month, the plaintiff had trouble keeping up with the rent, and he asked her to leave because he needs his rent money on time and in full. Oh, her all this money? Come on. He's accused of ruining a rental. All parties. Please raise your right hand. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket. The plaintiff says that the landlord, the defendant, uh, kicked her out of the apartment and she had absolutely no place to go. But the defendant is saying she was just really slow in paying her rent, ended up not paying her rent, and he had no other option. It's the case of rental ruckus. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. All right, Ms. Nelson, you were renting from Mr. Murphy. And you moved in when? April, mid-April? April 17th. And sometime in May, is it accurate that you were having a little trouble getting the rent together and paying it all at once? Um, yeah, some things happened all at once prior to us moving in, you know, so that made it kind of hard. But we still kept up with our payments as best as we could. All right, well, what did you pay for May rent? Just $402? Oh, no, 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 no. I paid more than that. Um, Mr. What'd Murphy was given, I gave him first a money order. Oh, it was two separate ones. One was a thousand. The other one was three ninety five, and then I gave him an extra. Okay, but that according to you, hold on. That uh, so that money according to you was for a security deposit, right? Well, see, right, that was security, yes, ma'am. Okay, and then what did you pay in rent for April? He was given seventeen ninety five. Is seventeen ninety five uh, what he was charging for rent for the apartment? He was actually charging two thousand for rent. Okay. So who was going to make up the difference? Were you supposed to pay the difference? That was it. Social services paying the seventeen ninety five, and you're supposed to pay the difference, or no? No. Okay. What happened was they only gave me a budget of fifteen hundred, and I would have to give the rest. The rent is two thousand. So when I was first offered the apartment, I was told all I had to give was thirteen ninety five because that was our first budget from social services. They moved it up to fifteen hundred. And then Mr. Murphy was introduced to me. We gave him what we were sold. My case manager said, give him money order first of $1,395, since that was what your first budget was. And they, they're going to give him the $1,500 and the check for us to move in. And that's how it went. Was that $1,500 supposed to cover what month? April? That was supposed to be for April for us moving in, yes. Okay. So I paid Now May. May comes, and on May 1st, are you supposed to be paying rent? Well, he wanted us to pay rent on May 1st, and that kind of mixed up everything after us giving him this money that we just gave him, you know, the $1,395 money order, and then the 402 I sent straight to his cash app, and then he wanted money on the 1st, which was like, okay, we just gave him all this money. All right, no problem. We gave it to him. I was a little short, and I did mention that to Mr. How Mary. much money did you give him? I gave him 1400 On May 1st? Yes, I have that cash out proof. I gave him fourteen hundred and told him. Okay, I what was the four hundred and two for additional rent for? That was for what? Um, when I first got there, and he said, "Oh, by the way, I need an extra four hundred two for next month," and I'm like, "Well, I, from my understanding, that was already a part of the thirteen ninety five." What my case manager told me. So I still gave it to him. I still sent it to him. I sent him. $402 on April 19th. I have the proof for that as well. Did you sign a lease? Did you sign a lease? Did yes, you sign I did. a lease? I signed a month-to-month -month lease with him. Yes, ma'am. All right. So, Mr. Murphy, let me ask you. She moves in, 
and uh, social services is paying part of her rent and everything else. But there is a security deposit. According to you, according to her, the security deposit is 1395 and she wants it back because in May you decided that you didn't want her to live there, correct? No. So the security deposit was given through DSF, correct? Um, but that, that security was... I kept the security because she didn't give me a 30 days notice that she was moving out because she already started struggling. Well, let's talk about that. But didn't, aren't you, I'm reading your answer to the complaint where you say, hey, she can't afford this place and I want her out. And I tell her, right. in fact, according to you, you offered her a thousand bucks to get out. So you're Delete. telling Delete. her to Delete. get out. So why is it a big surprise that she did get out just like you told her to? What day did she move out? Uh, May 31st, I believe. Okay. Is that accurate? You moved out by May 31st? We were supposed, yes. Emergency housing came and got us. Okay. Does he actually offer you a thousand bucks to get out? He did. And I had that email and I said to him, you got it. Let me make sure I have somewhere to put my children. My husband and I went to go see if we can get that help. And he said, your landlord has to give you 30 days. We can't help you. He came to me and said, no, I want you out now. And I said, that my kids come first. And of course, we're not confrontational. And he knew this. Once they said, you know what, someone's coming to pick you guys up, I'm like, just give me time to get my son home from school, and we'll leave. No problem. Where'd you end up That's going? Just, we went to a place, um, it's like, in South Suffolk County called um, CHI. CHI is um, the housing place they put you at when you have nowhere else to go. So I was there until okay. May 28th. Actually, May 25th, I was there. I left. And where are you living now? Did you find a place through the through assistance? Actually, yes. Yes, no, actually, no. My um, my father had two extra bedrooms. So I'm living down south now with my family. Okay. All right. Yeah, Let me ask you work. a question. Did you... Who referred her to you, Mr. Murphy? Actually, I, I'm asking you. Who referred her to you? Uh... A caseworker at one of the um, shelters. Okay, but who's um, a friend of yours, right? Uh, we're not. We're not close friends. We just. She. She's. Uh, she gave me a few people to move in a few of my properties. We're like more okay, like. Okay, because I'm curious. In your answer to the complaint, I, I I read that you offered the plaintiff the money. The plaintiff couldn't get out fast enough, and then you right. offered the thousand bucks to the caseworker. Yeah, so she said, give me a 1000 and I'll get her out. And then she ended up finding... Okay, um, what is... And did you give the caseworker $1,000? Uh, I did, actually. So she got her out of the apartment <laughs> by the first. I mean, I, am I the only one who thinks that's seedy? Because that sounds awful. She Does she work for the government? She, she wouldn't. She, she shouldn't be talking. That's taking that. a bribe. She, that she I, wouldn't. Oh uh, Dominic wouldn't take my, my initial offer for $1,000. I don't care that Dominic wouldn't take your 1000 I care that a caseworker did. Hold on, Mr. Murphy. And what do you say to that, Ms. Nelson? I am in complete, utter shock at this moment. And then I meet you Mr. know Murphy. who the caseworker is the that he's talking about. Okay, stop, yes, stop, stop. Am, you know who the caseworker yes. is. Yeah, you need to file a complaint and get a copy of this testimony because that's outrageous. And I'm going to tell her boss. So had it, I'm going to tell her boss. So that's outrageous if she took $1,000 from him to get you out faster. You need to file a complaint, Ms. Nelson. Now, let me ask you, Mr. I Murphy. I definitely If you one. ask somebody to get out, and they get out, and you so want them to get out that you bribe the caseworker or give her $1,000 or, you know, you do it. So you want them out. How are you looking me in the eye and saying you didn't get 30 days notice? They got out exactly when you forced her, them to get out. So tell me your other reason. Your first reason for keeping the security deposit is that you feel that she shouldn't go back to her because she didn't pay it. Is that right? No, if anything, 
if anything, if I was to pay back the security deposit, it would have to go back to DSS because they the one that gave me the security deposit. She they never gave me a security, security deposit. That's she just paid true. for her first month. That's not how it works. That's not true. You don't that's get to, true. first of all, that's not what you said in your answer to the complaint. What you said is she doesn't get it because she didn't pay. But, oh, by the way, May, June, July, have, did you actually send that money to DSS? No, right? You have it in your pocket, right? Okay, yeah. Come on, we all know the answer, right? So, no, that's not how it works. Uh, if she has to give it back to any agency, I'm sure they'll chase her for it because they actually know that she's not living there anymore. You don't have any complaint about damages. Security deposit is for damages. There are no damages, and therefore I order the $1,395 to go back to the plaintiff. The additional $402 I kind of don't understand because you lived there in May. Why should you get that back? What did he say to you for why you, you had to, to pay 400 to... Yeah, but he, he asked you to pay it for what? For, for April, for May, for what? For May. For May? He said it was pre... Okay, yes, but you lived there in May, so why should you get it back? You're saying that he was... Because the lease that, that you... And, and I don't see a signed lease here. I do see a lease. Maybe you signed your copy and didn't give it to him. But I do see a lease, and what it says is that the rent is what? What does your lease say? Hey, it's 2000 yes, ma'am, I understand. Okay, so the 402 that... would have been to augment the money that, that they didn't pay, because how much did they pay you? Did they end up paying you 2000 for May, or did they end up paying you less? Less. Mr. Murphy, less. What did they end up paying you? They, they Go ahead, what me, was the 402 um, for? I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the 402 was equaled up to the $2,000, so they paid me... Right, um, that, so you that, were asking for yeah. the 402 for May, and May, you were there the whole month, so you don't get the 402 back. But I am ruling no in your favor in the $1,395 verdict for the plaintiff. Thank you so much. Uh, you need to pay her. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, my God. Damn, man. So the plaintiff is going to get back $1,395. Uh, Mr. Murphy, the defendant, let me talk to you for a moment. What do you think about the judge's decision here and finding out that, that you paid $1,000 to a caseworker. That's that's not so hot. What do you think? Um, I think that the, the, the judgment was fair. Um, I knew that she was going to end up struggling. She was already struggling the next month to pay the rent, so um, I didn't want to move forward with her because it, it would have been an ongoing thing um, month after month after month, so I figured we'd just end at least soon and just get out right away. All right. Well, she is out, but you got to give her the money back. Ms. Nelson, let me ask you a question. You seem kind of shocked yes. at the end of the case. Why were you so shocked? What are you thinking? I, I didn't expect for my case manager to be to do exactly what uh, he said she did. So I'm, I'm still shocked about that. I'm just surprised that she did that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that you are surprised. Are you going to file a complaint, by the way, about that? Definitely. I, I still have her boss's phone number. You know, I still have my connection, yeah. so I'm definitely going to make take care of that. So she doesn't do it to anyone else. That's very interesting. All right. Well, good luck on doing that, and uh, congratulations. You're going to get $1,395 back. Thank and you so much. And that'll do it for this case. Thank you baby. so much. Now, let's join Judge Marilyn Millian and her husband, Judge John, for another session of After the Verdict. Marilyn, <laughs> you see a fair number of landlord-tenant disputes where there might be Section 8 housing or there might be um, some government assistance that's going towards paying the rent, like we had in this particular case. Um, you seemed a little stunned at the money that was paid to yeah, the Yeah, it's court. called graft. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a bribe. Do something to make the system work in my favor, and I'll give you $1,000. 
mean, it's outrageous. I'm going to make sure that our staff sends his testimony, the tape of his testimony, so that she can forward it to the person's boss. Because if that actually happened, and it sounds like it did, because she, the plaintiff wasn't going to move, and then all of a sudden, her caseworker says, let's move you, let's move you, I found a place for you. And so it certainly sounds like that happened. It's an outrage. It, it is outrageous, exactly. And there you have it. Lee, I got to tell you, um, for those of us who are around uh, during the Judge Watner time, it was so exciting when Rain Man came out and we heard 10 minutes to Wapner. It was just one of those moments where you're saying, wow, this show really connected with the psyche of America. It was really exciting for everybody. And I assure you, Judge Wapner was thrilled. And that will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case on the way into the courtroom right now. This is the plaintiff, Greg Hagler. He says he transports vehicles to make some extra money on the side. And he transported a wrecked car for the defendant from upstate New York to Florida. And the guy still owes him for the move. Things escalated between them, where the cops had to be called. They told him to unload the car and sue him, which is what he did. And he's now seeking the remaining $150 from the double-crossing defendant. Dylan. He says he never had any agreement to pay the plaintiff this extra 150 bucks because he had to unhook his trailer or something. And he claimed he had to do extra work getting his car onto it. He paid this guy in full, the $1,100 price he was quoted for the job. The plaintiff scratched his car to boot, and he certainly doesn't owe him a penny more than what he's already paid him. He's accused of copping out on a car carrier. The defendant is by the countersuit for $600 for the damage to his car. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that he was hired to drive the defendant's car from New York to Florida and got stiff. Now, the defendant saying the plaintiff uh, has been trying to gouge him and charging way more than they agreed to. It's the case of you ain't no flow rider. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. Mr. Hagler. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. You transport cars on the side? Yes, ma'am. So you participate in a website called U-Ship that puts things out for bid in order to be able to take transport people's cars from point A to point B, correct? That is correct. All right. So what happened in this case? Tell me. I placed a bid to move uh, Dylan's vehicle from upstate New York to Florida. Um, I won the bid. Uh, the money was put into escrow uh, from Dylan to U-Ship, waiting to be retrieved by me at the point of delivery. One of the agreements with U-Ship is the vehicles have to be ready to be shipped at the time that we say that we're going to be there to pick them up. When I got to the vehicle, not only was the vehicle in five foot of snow, but the vehicle had been totaled in an accident. So the vehicle was not ready to be towed, and Dylan was not able to be um, contacted at that point. Uh, Why was he not able to be contacted? I, well, I really don't know. I think he said he was sleeping uh, at the time of, of the pickup. Uh, he had a representative that met me uh, to help me with the car and give me the keys. He and I both tried to reach Dylan by text message or by phone and to no avail. 
we pers we still uh, moved along on getting the car unburied from the snow. I have a unwritten policy with myself that if I have to disconnect from my trailer to extricate a vehicle to get it out where I can get it on my trailer, it's a flat $150 charge. I tried to reach Dylan to advise him that this vehicle was not ready to be towed. I was not informed the vehicle was totaled. We fought with the vehicle for a couple of hours to get it out of the snowbank. I had to pull the vehicle out to the roadway with my truck and uh, position the vehicle in such a way I could winch it up onto the trailer. Um, I secured the vehicle on the trailer. I secured the uh, hood to the car and uh, I started my journey back to Florida. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, let's look at the text. And it's from you to him. Hey, the car was in a snowbank. We had to dig it out and then get it to the trailer. I had to disconnect from my truck and the trailer to pull a car out of the snow. There's going to be a $200 additional charge on extricated his car out to the road. It's taken us over an hour, not several hours, over an hour to load this car when it should have only taken five to eight minutes. So just giving you a heads up. The first time you communicate with him, it's like a done deal in your head from this unwritten rule policy that you have that's not anywhere that hey, it's going to cost you another 150 bucks. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Dillon. What the heck happened to your car? Oh, it was, it was totaled in an accident, Your Honor. Did you ever tell Mr. Hagler that it was totaled in an accident? Uh, I don't believe I uh, ever explicitly said that the car was totaled or wrecked. Uh, I think it was just stated that the car just didn't run. Okay. So let's see what happens. Now the car is in his possession. He's driving down from upstate New York. And there is a text, and this does concern me, uh, Mr. Dillon, where, let's see, he sends you a text on Monday. Hey there, just a reminder of the additional fee for extraction, to which you respond, okay. And then he says, and it's 150 not 200 by the way. Why did you say okay, Mr. Uh, Dillon? Simply just to acknowledge the, the fees. Uh, I didn't mean it as a terms of acceptance, but... At this point, with, with with the events that had already transpired and how the situation was already brewing, it just uh, it, it seemed well like a scam. Um, so that scared me. Okay. Uh, so you get the car down to Florida, and what happens? Uh, once he uh, examined the car and uh, signed off that there was no damage on the vehicle, he released the funds for the shipping part of it. And uh, I asked him for the additional uh, $150 for the uh, extrication of the vehicle. Uh, at that time, he said he did not have the money. Uh, therefore, I called the sheriff's office in Pinellas County for him to make a determination on whether or not I had the right uh, legally to hold the vehicle. When the sheriff arrived, uh, he told me uh, very quickly that I could not hold the vehicle for that $150 that it was a civil matter and that I needed to unload the vehicle. Um, I attempted to go ahead and unstrap the car. Uh, when I got to the last strap, I did tell Dylan to get in the vehicle, hold the brake because the vehicle had no brakes. Once I released that strap, the vehicle was gonna go off the trailer. And he got a little, got a little on the belligerent side of being very uncooperative at that point. Uh, things just took a hundred. Because he thought you were saying time. you were going to let it go, and who knows what's going to happen. In fact, according to you, what was it Mr. Hagler said, Mr. Dillon? 
Welcome back to the People's Court. So the plaintiff says that this job of driving the car or taking the car from New York to Florida was way more difficult than first thought because the car got stuck and encased in ice and it took two hours to get it out and should cost a lot more. The defendant saying, no way, a price that we agreed on is the price. Let's go back into the courtroom. Said hop in the vehicle because I'm going to let this strap go and when it does, this car is gonna end up wherever it ends up. Uh, to which I replied, I'm not gonna do that. If, if you wanna let the car roll, then that's on you. And yeah, you let it go, rolled over the curb. And what happened? Um, uh, it, just, it just rolled back and rolled over the curb. It was, it was nothing crazy, honestly. Okay, I have a question for you. You have a counterclaim against him now for 600 bucks. What's that about? Uh, the hood and the fenders for the vehicle were scratched to bare metal. You're saying? that these scratches on the car are his fault? Yes. Okay, why do you not see that, which is so visible, before you release the funds and say everything's fine? I released the funds initially as soon as the car got there. Um, but that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make sure there's no problems. Yes, you are, you are perfectly right, Your Honor. Right, um, all right. So on your counterclaim against Mr. Hagler, Mr. Dillon, zero. And on Mr. Hagler, on your claim against Mr. Dillon, let me explain to you what the problem is. A contract happens when both sides agree to it. A contract doesn't happen when you've got his car and then you say, by the way, I'm changing the terms because I feel like I went through too much trouble just now. So you don't get to change the rules. If you're gonna go ahead and do the work, and then tell him afterwards, by the way, you owe me $150, that's not a contract. And he doesn't have to pay you that. So on your lawsuit, Mr. Hagler, against Mr. Dillon, I find in favor of Mr. Dillon. On Mr. Dillon's counterclaim, zero. So we have a zero-zero tie here in the People's Court. Mr. Hagler, the plaintiff, you just got a lesson in the law from the judge. What do you think about that? I was basically just tossing everything to the wind on whether or not I would receive those extra funds. Um, and I even offered to cut the fees in half, you know, and I told him that if he paid 75, just, you know, pay me something extra for all the extra work we had to do to get the car out to be towed. Well, you've heard the judge. Maybe you should change your, uh, your practices the next time you go trailering some cars. I will. Okay. I Good will. luck to you. Sorry you lost. All right, uh, Mr. Dillon. There's all this talk about the car being totaled. Number one, if it was totaled, was it really worth paying $1,100 to have it taken down to Florida from New York? Yes, absolutely, sir. Why? What'd you get for it? I mean, a totaled car is not worth a lot of money sometimes. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. But um, the initial idea was to part out. Um, and whereas the judge was correct, I should have inspected prior to having it released, but without the situation evolved, the car, like, like I had told the judge, she agreed that it, it dropped off the trailer, but uh, I, I didn't have a say in it at that point. They were gone. Uh, and so I saw the scratches, filed an insurance claim, and uh, that's gone nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, sorry you didn't win your case. That's the way it goes in court some days. Okay, thank you. All right, let's join Judge Millian and her husband, Judge John, for another edition of After the Verdict. Well, Marilyn, it seems like neither party in this lawsuit really took the basic steps that they should have taken to protect themselves at the beginning of the transaction. In other words, the guy who's going to ship the car, who was the plaintiff here, uh, 
he could have taken photographs, he could have walked around and done a better inspection. And again, on the other end, it seems like uh, the ball was dropped as well. Yeah, he, you know, the thing is, you can't advertise, be the lowest bid, win, and then change the rules. Right. So this, I don't write down this policy. It's an unwritten policy I have. You don't get to have unwritten policies, because I might not have picked you. But if he wants any extra money for anything that he was going through, he needed to have secured the defendant's approval of it. And did you have any idea that there was a market for shipping total cars? And someone no, would pay yeah, $1,200? I, mean, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure what kind of car this was. Obviously, if he was able to get five grand for it, it, it was obviously. The value must be there. Yeah, the value why, must why, be why, there. Why else would somebody spend that right. kind of money to ship it? Right. Well, Mike, here's the thing. In most states, usury is anything over 10% where you can't get any interest if you try to gouge. Yeah, credit card companies can charge 18%. It's an exception. You are stuck with a lower limit.